have your Bibles with you, grab them and turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and put your ribbon marker at Hebrews chapter 10. And then turn to Romans chapter 5. We are in this series called Trust the Process. And I wanted to share with you a story this morning before we jump into God's Word. So there was a flight uh, one morning from Portland, Maine, uh, just a short flight from Portland, Maine to Boston. It was the summer of 1987. The pilot of the aircraft, a man named Henry Dempsey, he heard an unusual noise near the rear of the aircraft. So he got up and he turned the controls over to the co-pilot and he went back to the back of the plane to check out the noise. As he reached the tail section, the plane hit an air pocket and Dempsey was tossed against the rear door. He quickly discovered the source of the mysterious noise. See, the rear door had not been properly latched prior to takeoff. And when, when Dempsey was thrown back against it, Instantly, the door opened, and Dempsey was sucked out of the plane. Now, the co-pilot, he saw on the dash, that on the instrument panel, that uh, a red light flashed, indicating that, a rear, that the rear door had opened. And, and so he immediately radioed the tower and said, we need to return and make an emergency landing. And by the way, the rear door is open. I believe Captain Dempsey has been sucked out of the plane. Please dispatch a helicopter over the ocean to see if we can find him. So he turns the plane around, and he heads back to Portland, Maine. When they get back to Portland, Maine, he lands, and to everyone's amazement, they find the pilot, Henry Dempsey, grasping, holding on to an outdoor ladder on the aircraft. Somehow, when he got thrown out of the airplane, he was able to grab a hold of the side ladder on the plane. He held on for more than 10 minutes as the plane flew at 200 miles an hour, about 4,000 feet uh, in the air, back to the airport. It was amazing that he even held on, but what was even more amazing was in the position, he, he was hanging upside down on this ladder, and somehow he was able to keep his head above the runway pavement when they landed. It was only a mere 12 inches. According to news reports, it took several airport personnel several minutes to pry his fingers off of that ladder. Now this is a picture of endurance. This is a picture of the ability to hang on when it would have been easier just to let go. Now many people are blessed with certain attributes, but endurance jumps to the forefront of success in any endeavor. Endurance can be the key that keeps us from failing or succeeding. Endurance is the key that keeps us from giving up and letting go. Now, endurance is the power of going on in spite of difficulties. In other words, in other words it means to keep on keeping on. It means to hang in there. It means to put up with it. It means to stick with it. It means to not quit. Some synonyms are determination, perseverance, tenacity, plodding. Sometimes you may say, well, I'm just plodding along. And plodding along may be disappointing, but plodding along 
in terms of endurance is how you get from the beginning to the end. Stamina, having backbone. When endurance is used in the Bible, it means to abide under, to bear up courageously, or to tarry or to wait. Henry Dempsey, he would just say, hanging on for dear life. Now, the Bible considers endurance a priority. In fact, Paul expressed its importance in Romans chapter 5. And if you have that open, take a look at Romans 5, 1 through 5. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into, into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And then the writer of Hebrews also knew that perseverance was mandatory in the pursuit of character. Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25 say this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is His body, Christ's body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And here's the key phrase. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one, and on, one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So let me ask you this. Do you struggle with perseverance? Do you struggle with endurance? Do you, do you struggle with sticking with it? When things get difficult, do you cut and run or do you stick it out? Are you a good finisher? Or... Do you very rarely finish anything you started? See, I want to give you today, I want to give you some practical secrets that will help you to change the course if you struggle with enduring, if you struggle with persevering, if you struggle with finishing strong, finishing well. I'd like today to give you some practical secrets that will help you, help us de develop perseverance. Here's the first one. The first thing, the first secret is we must accept the unchangeable. See, sometimes in life there are things that just aren't changeable. We have to accept those things in life that cannot be changed. Let's face it. Some events and circumstances are inevitable. You're going to breathe your first breath and you're going to breathe your last. No one lives forever. There are just inevitables in life. And honestly, sometimes life isn't fair. Injustices do creep into everyone's arena. Sometimes, in one way or another, 
we're all going to get sucked out of an unlocked plane door. It helps us to remember, though, that God is in, He is in the business of changing our lives. See, His desire is for us to grow in the likeness of His Son, Jesus. So whatever He enters your life, whatever unfavorable circumstances, whatever tragic events or irritating people, anybody have irritating people in their life? I mean, this is church, you can be honest. No, I'm just kidding. Don't elbow your husbands right now. I mean, be it good, bad, or indifferent, our response to life's irritants, it, they form our character. So we must accept that some things are just inevitable. But recognize that in, in those things, God designs those things. God allows those things to come into our lives to shape our character. See, irritants form our character. It's like the oyster and the pearl. See, the oyster and the pearl provide a beautiful picture of a positive response to life's irritants. I mean, some of you know how pearl's made, but for, for many of you don't. Do you, you know how a pearl's made? Here, here's how a pearl is made. The pearl is a product of pain. Did you know that? Did you know that the pearl is a product of pain? See, what happens is an alien substance, a grain of sand, will slip inside the oyster shell. And on entry of that foreign irritant, all of the resources within this tiny, sensitive oyster rush to that, to that irritant, to that spot, and they begin to release healing fluids <clears throat> that otherwise would have remained dormant. Eventually, the irritant is covered and the wound is healed by a pearl. No other gem has so fascinating a history. It is the symbol of stress. The precious tiny jewel is conceived through irritation, born of adversity. There had to be a wounding for that great beauty to be cre created. There, there had to be an irritant. There had to be a wound or there would be no pearl. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says it this way. James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces, here's that word again, perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, the beauty that is you, the beauty that is in you, for many of us, it came... It was conceived through irritate, irritant or difficulty or suffering or a wounding. Here's a, here's a paraphrase of James 1, 2 through 4. Listen to this. It says, When all kinds of trials crowd into your lives, my brothers, and there may be some of you here today that are like, yeah, I've got so much going on. So many trials. This paraphrase says, Don't resent them as intruders but welcome them as friends. Realize that they have come to test your endurance. But let the process go on until the endurance is fully developed, and you will find that you have become men and women of mature character. So the first thing we need to do is we, we need to recognize that inevitable things are going to happen. You, can't, you have to accept the unchangeable. Number two, we, we, must, we, we must adjust to the obstacles. There was a, 
a young naval captain who was out on the sea and he was, he was piloting his ship. And as it pierced through the ocean one night, he spotted a light in the darkness. In, in the distance, coming directly at him, he sees another light. Well, he radioed to that other commander, alter your course 10 degrees. And then came a reply on the radio, you alter your course 10 degrees. Undaunted, the, 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 the rookie captain yells back over the radio, no, 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 you alter your course for I am a destroyer. Well, back on the radio he hears, alter your course for I am a lighthouse. See, what he thought was another ship was actually a lighthouse. And what we learn here is that sometimes we have to adjust our way to fit the realities of life. Sometimes what you see in the distance that you think and perceive as one thing is really completely something else, and you must alter your course. Proverbs 22.3 says it this way, A sensible person sees danger and takes cover. But the inexperienced keep going and are punished. We have to understand that some circumstances are unavoidable. Disappointments are certain. Obstacles are sure. Losses will occur. But the person with perseverance acknowledges the roadblocks and makes adjustments. Thomas Carlyle, who was a Scottish philosopher, he said this, he said, the block of granite that, has, that was an obstacle in the pathway of the weak becomes a stepping stone for the strong. What one might think is an obstacle can actually be a stepping stone. See, when the obstacles of life are stacked before us, we can adjust by going around or climbing over or tunneling over, uh, uh, tunneling under, but the key is don't stop. Adjust your course. So are you allowing intrusions to distort or disfigure your life? Are there circumstances or are there people in your life that you've been trying to change to no avail and you've just, you, you seem to be stuck in trying to change your life or change the way or change that person? and there seems to be no progress, why not transform what would be an obstacle into growth blocks? Learning to adjust. Learning to change course. Maybe you need to be the one who's forgiving. Maybe you need the one, be the one who submits. Maybe it doesn't have to always be your way or the highway. When we adjust to the detours of life, God will reveal so many marvelous things. Have you ever, have you ever experienced where you thought, you thought the path was laid out for you? You, you had planned, you had plotted, but God shifted, shifted the directions. He, he changed course for you just briefly, and the course changed a little bit, and you learned more on the new course than you ever would have learned on the one you set for yourself. See, I think sometimes the best learning experiences we have with God is when He takes us off the beaten path. When He takes us on a, on a course that we would not have picked for ourselves. In, in fact, 
my life is a testimony of a life. Uh, this was not the path I chose for myself. You know, if you would have told me 21 years ago that I would have been a pastor, I would have told you you were insane. You were cra- I was going to be a major league umpire. I was going to be a professional baseball umpire at the major league level, and that was going to be my course. But then God brought Kristen into my life. And we got married. And a few months later, it was obvious that the kind of husband and father that I wanted to be didn't align with that. And so I made a really challenging, difficult choice. I quit baseball to go home and be a husband. And there's way more to that story that you'll get to hear at some point in time. But check this out. That was 1995. It wasn't until 2000. Six or five more years before God got a hold of my life and I was saved. And then from there, God called me to ministry. And from there, God called me to start going to Bible college online. And then God directed us to South Dakota for seven years. And then back to Oregon for six and a half. And now here. But if I had chosen my course, the course that I had, that I had my dream, my vision, I wouldn't be here today. I may not be married to the woman I'm still married to 28 years later, almost 28. See, sometimes God's path for us, and sometimes as a pastor you do get beat up a little bit, so that whole beaten path thing kind of makes sense to me. So we have to recognize that in this process that God sometimes will change course on us and it's our responsibility to see reality when we adjust to the detours god does so much number three we we must abide with patience someone once said you can do anything if you have patience i heard i heard this one little thing and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense somebody said if you have patience you can carry water with a sieve Well, the moral is if you wait for the water to freeze, you can carry water with a sieve. Unfortunately, most of us aren't patient. How many of you are not patient? I'm not a patient person. I want things done. We got the keys finally for our house on Friday, and I want to be there now, moved in. But there are just steps that have to happen, and and I I am not a patient person. Um, You know what I've found helps me be patient? I make lists. And when I make lists... It's almost like the time taking the list give me time to think or ponder the decision and it helps me. But I'm not a patient person and most of us aren't. And when we need it, you know what we do? We, we usually pray. We usually pray something like this. Lord, give me patience and I want it now. Or Margaret Thatcher, former Prime Minister of Great Britain, she said, she said it more eloquently. She said, I am extraordinarily patient provided I get my own way in the end. See, the only way to learn patience is by facing the world, taking life as it comes, holding on and gritting your teeth, clenching your jaw, and riding out the storm. And that's not easy. There's an author named Joyce Landorf, and she said this. She says, God's waiting room is the most difficult aspect of the Christian experience. Do you believe that? God's waiting room is the most difficult aspect of the Christian experience. So now, in the Greek language, the term for patience is often translated long-suffering. 
See, it's a compound word. The first part of the word means long or far. And the second part actually means hot or anger or wrath. And when you put it together, we literally have the, the, the word long anger. So, so patience in, in the Greek sort of means long anger. Now we have another term sort of like this. Have you ever heard the term short-tempered? So if, if, if we're not to miss the meaning of patience, you could define patience as being long-tempered. Having the ability to recognize and, and maintain a level of waiting and perseverance without letting your emotions get in the way. Patience is that ability that keeps us from blowing up when events don't go our way or losing our cool when we're, upset, when we're upset with the waiting process. As believers, we're, we're challenged to display patience. James wrote this in James 5, 7, and 8. He said, Therefore, brothers, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and, and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains? You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. See, what James is doing here, James shows us how the farmer demonstrates patience. A farmer can't make it rain. A farmer can't make anything grow. He must rely on God to act in a way to, to send the rain and to let nature take its course. And like that, we must rely on God to act in the most wise and merciful way in our lives. See, the secret to patience is abiding. We must learn to rest and endure under the load of pain and suffering. We abide under the load of pain and suffering by abiding with God who is faithful. We must not only learn to abide in Christ, but also abide with Christ under the struggles and the pressures of life. So we just got to hang in there and trust and have confidence that God will, in the end, have his, way, have his way. Number four, we must affirm His presence. As we're waiting on God, we must recognize that He is with us. As we make progress in the process toward a life that resembles a life like Jesus, we must always remember that God is with us. Sometimes God is like a teacher, instructing us with constructive ways and, and, and giving us direction, enlightening us to, to, to accomplishing and doing things in a way that we might not have ever imagined could be done. Sometimes God is like a fellow worker, challenging us to excellence, having that person working beside you that is, that is striving for excellence and is drawing you towards that same pursuit. Sometimes God is a spectator, encouraging us to keep on keeping on. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, God is always with us. But we, but we have to recognize it is a process. When I was a kid, I played baseball. I, was from the, I, I can't remember not playing baseball in my life. And from the moment I picked up a ball and glove, I was a catcher. I would stick me behind the plate. I couldn't, I couldn't play any other position. They stuck me in the outfield in high school one time. They... they I, I don't swim. I do not know how to swim, so never throw your pastor in a pond, lake, pool, 
River because I can't swim. Okay, don't. If we're any, Victor, if we're any, Kyle, both of you two knuckleheads, if we're ever somewhere and there's a body of water, don't throw me in unless you're prepared to come get me. Okay? Because I don't swim. Okay? But, for, but from the very beginning, I was a catcher. I, I, I just loved that. Um, and when I got older, I loved catching both ends of a doubleheader, two games in the same day. And some guys couldn't, some guys didn't want to, but there's something happened. You know, I would start the second game, and the first two or three innings might be a little hard because my legs were a little tired and a little stiff, but it seemed like inevitably almost every time about the third inning of the second game, I'd get a second wind. All of a sudden, I'd get, I'd get new life in my legs again, and, I, and I'd be able to go and I'd play the whole second game. And the dirtier I got, the better I played. And if my mama were here, she'd tell you that too. But, but God would just, I, I, you just seem to get a second win. And as we persevere toward a distinctive life of character, we, we experience similar feelings. See, for most of us, getting started, is, it, it, it possesses very little problems. We, we, we can get started in our faith journey. We can get started in things. But when the process tends to bog down or get a little slow, as, 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 as time comes when our personal resources seem to be exhausted, if we can just endure, we'll recognize that God, just like on those afternoons about the third inning, when I would get a second win, God will give you a second win too. If you can just keep after it, keep pushing forward, keep moving, God will give you a spiritual second wind. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31 says it this way. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Verse 29 says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. So when, you're, when it's the third, fourth inning and it's hot on a summer day and you need something else, God will give it to you. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The secret is found in affirming God's presence. The world says give up. The world says drop out. The world says run away. But God says, trust me, lean on me, fall into my arms. See, God is with us to support us. God is with us to sustain us, to give you hope, courage, strength to keep on keeping on, to continue. Remember, in, in Exodus chapter 33, he gave us a promise. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Here's another story before we jump into our conclusion Poland had a famous concert pianist named Ignacy Paderewski. And, and he was playing a series of concerts. And he traveled to a, a town in Poland to do a concert. He arrived at the concert hall, and, and as, the, as the performance was about to begin, a mother who was hoping and praying that her young son would, would develop a passion for, for uh, piano playing, uh, concert pian to be a concert pianist himself, she took him to this concert to see this famous uh, concert pianist. The night arrived. They showed up. They found their seats near the front row. The mother saw a friend who she wanted to go visit with, so she 
she went over to visit her friend. Well, seizing the opportunity to explore like every young boy would, he wanders off. He finds a door that says no admittance. He opens the door. It's the stage door. All of a sudden, he's on stage. Curtain's drawn. Nobody can see him. This beautiful Steinway grand piano is in the middle of the stage. So he, he gets up there and he sits down. About that time, the stage lights start to flicker. Time to get back to your seats. The mom returns to her seat. In horror, finds her son is missing. Right at that moment, the curtain parts and she finds her little boy sitting at the piano, plinking out, twinkle, twinkle, little star. Horrified, she, she's just about ready to leap out of her seat to go up on stage and retrieve her boy. But Paderewski comes out from behind the curtain, sees the boy and doesn't react negatively, just simply sits down beside the boy and he whispers in his ear, just keep playing. Just keep playing, son. And with his left hand, he begins to play a bass line. And he just plays the bass line and he whispers in the little boy's ear, just keep playing. And soon he reaches around with his right hand and begins to play out the melody. And the two mesmerize the crowd with twinkle, twinkle, little star. The old master and the young novice held the crowd mesmerized. See, in our pursuit of the process, as unpolished and incomplete as we may be, it is the master who surrounds us. And he whispers in our ear, don't quit, just keep playing. Don't quit, just keep playing. And as we do, God augments and supplements until a work of amazing beauty is created. What we can accomplish on our own is hardly noteworthy. We try our best. We do our very best. But the results are never exactly what we dreamed up. Our lives just don't seem to be that graceful music that we would have penned. But with the master, with the master beside us, just gently whispering in our ear, just keep playing, don't quit. See, that's our responsibility. Our responsibility is simply to just not quit. Just to keep playing. And the master will fashion a masterpiece. Remember, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And he'll always be there to love and to guide us into great things. So, are you... Are you facing something? Are you in the midst of something right now where you're close to quitting? Where you just as soon throw in the towel? When, when you've had enough, you're tired. My mom used to say, I'm sick, and I'd finish it and tired, and she'd beat me. You'll get that at lunchtime. Are you just, are you kind of at the end of your rope? Are you, try, are, you, are you tired of trying to live for Christ? Well, my, my, my challenge to you today is hang in there. Do you feel like giving up on your marriage? Do you feel like giving up in the job that you're in right now? Do you feel like giving up in your Christian life? Boy, I, I, I want to challenge you. Roll up your sleeves and get back in there. Are you constantly struggling because you can't resist temptation? 
Well, accept God's forgiveness and keep on living rightly. Do you feel that sorrow and disappointment greet you at every turn? You can't wake up one morning without feeling just disappointed on how things are or where things are going. Well, hold on. Let me tell you, help is just around the corner because endurance prevails. James 1.12 says this, Blessed is a man who endures trials because when he passes the test, he will, he will receive the crown of life that he has promised to those who love him. Here's the thing. If you, if you remember one thing from today, here's what I want you to remember. You're not a failure until you give up. You are not a failure until you give up. You're not a flop until you let go. So don't quit. Never give up. Keep on keeping on. Hold on. Don't take any breaks. Don't take any timeouts. Just keep working every day of your life, one step at a time. It's been said, life is like reading a book. It begins to make sense when you reach the end. Endurance maintains the stamina needed to see the end and embrace the prize. So fight another round. Rise another time. And above all, like Henry Dempsey, just don't let go. I don't know where we're all at today. Or, but this part of the process, this, this hanging on part of the process, is probably the most difficult. It's the most difficult in good times. It's the most difficult in bad times. I mean, when we accepted the call to come here and become your pastor, it began a, a, an exciting energizing process of what's next and the hope of a new ministry and, and moving and, but yet that process seemed like it took forever you know and, and, and it, it's kind of interesting because when we moved here I told Kristen we're going to lease this townhouse for four months because I think it's going to take us a little bit longer to work some things out and to be able to buy a house and she kept telling me no God has told me the time, his timetable is quicker and I'm like, no, God's timetable is not quicker than mine because I kind of four-month lease, honey. She's like, I think we should sign a three-month lease. I'm, no four, you know, I, I'm thinking six, she's thinking three. We, went, we settled on four. And lo and behold, we, God's timetable was what he told Kristen and not me. And it's still taken a long time because we signed on this four-month lease and, and the people we bought the house from wanted a 60-day close, which... Everything just kind of lines up. But in, that pro, in, in all that, pro, even in good stuff, it's like, man, can we just get there? Can we just get there? You just got to keep on hanging on. Keep on one step at a time. Today, we'll go to the house and we'll do a couple little things and it'll be one more step in the process to get us there. We're not going to quit. We're just going to keep going. And that's something that's really good. But in those moments where it's, it's difficult, it's a cancer diagnosis, it's chemo, it's the treatment, it's you've lost a loved one, it's the, the marriage is struggling, the job isn't panning out the way you thought it was. It's in, in those difficult moments, it's, it would be way easier for us to chuck in the towel, to just give up, to just stop. I just don't even want to get up this morning. But I want you to remember God is with you and he loves you and he has a plan for you. And the plan that you're in, in, in the midst of everything, even if you think life is off the rails, you have a God who controls everything.
and he will take care of you if you will just stick with it. You want to get outside of God's will? Jump off. You, you want to get outside of God's will? Just quit. Succumb to the temptations in life. That will derail you from God's will and purpose in your life. Just keep on keeping on. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for how it speaks to us. And it isn't, it isn't surprising that there's so much in the Bible about persevering and enduring and, and fighting till the end. Just keep on keeping on. May you give us the strength and the courage to do that. May you help us to recognize the reality of things in our lives, we, the reality that some things are just simply unchangeable. And in those things that are unchangeable, we're going to give those to you and we're going to focus on doing what we can in, in, in the process of, of not, uh, not uh, missing, missing where you're leading us. We're going to recognize, Lord, that along this way, that, that there are moments where you're going to ask us to turn left or right, to transition, to move, to make adjustments. Help us to, to be malleable enough to make those adjustments. Help us to recognize that the best way to stay faithful and firm in, in our commitments to you and, and understanding that you have our life and in your hands and we have, you have our best interest, the best way for us to do that is, to is just to stick with you, to not stop reading your word, to not stop praying, not stop worshiping you, but continue to try to keep our eyes fixed on you in every circumstance. And then recognize, Lord, in those moments where we abide with you, that you are with us. That, the, that, that no matter how bad it may seem, we are never, we are never too far from the outstretched arms of Jesus. And may God, you give us strength to keep on keeping on and to finish the race strongly. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next week.